Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you today as people who um, desperately need to be in your presence. Uh, We believe that you are uh, the one who holds our world together. You are the solution to every problem. Uh, You are the one who who knows us and the one who invites each of us to be remade in uh, fellowship with you and in your presence. And uh, we pray that today as we would come together as the people who long for your presence, that each of us would be remade in our hearts uh, and in, in, in the core of who we are by being with you today and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, This Wednesday is Valentine's Day. Uh, This Wednesday is also something else, uh, a day that's set apart in the Christian calendar. I'm curious if anyone knows what this Wednesday is. A few of you. Susie, just shout it out back there. Ash Wednesday. Susie Murray knows it's Ash Wednesday. How many of you have ever, uh, has Ash Wednesday been a big deal in your walk with the Lord or your expression of your Christian faith? A few of you. Uh, and maybe for most of us, it would seem it hasn't been a big deal. I, I grew up in uh, churches similar to this, uh, unaffiliated, non-denominational churches. Uh, we didn't do a lot of liturgy. Uh, we were pretty ignorant to the church calendar. We just tended to focus on other things. But as I walk with the Lord and in this season of my life, I've found uh, just a real interest in some of these traditions and, and a real value in incorporating them into at least the rhythm of, of my annual life year by year. Uh, Ash Wednesday kicks off the Lent season. So in the first few centuries of, of Christianity, uh, the church began to organize itself and, and felt at some point that it was a really good idea to set aside 40 days leading up to Easter for, uh, for the church to be to, to focus on preparing themselves to celebrate Christ's resurrection, to, to have Easter together. Um, and they kick off that 40 days every year with what they call Ash Wednesday. Uh, if you were to go to an Ash Wednesday mass this week, uh, you'll, you'll walk in, they'll do the normal parts of a mass, but then you're going to see people towards the end of the service coming up to the front, and you'll see a priest or a lay minister uh, taking a mixture of ashes and oil, and people will come up, and the priest will put ashes and oil on their forehead in the shape of a cross. Our, our youth group actually did an Ash Wednesday service over at Longview Community Church. Was it last year or the year before? I can't. Two years ago, I think, and uh, and we all went and did that thing. Um, as the priest puts the the ash cross on on one's forehead, he says to them, "Remember, you are dust." And to dust you are going to return. Lent is is a season for us to remember one thing that we all share in common as humanity. That we are all made from dust and to dust we are all going to return. What does this mean? Well, from the creation story in Genesis chapter 2, 
God takes the dust of the earth and he forms humanity out of the material he'd created, the stuff of earth, and then he breathes his, his divine life into humanity. The implications of this story being telling us that we are made of the stuff of earth, but we are also made of the stuff of heaven. That humanity is a place where earth and heaven meet. That humanity is the place that God designed where earth and heaven would meet and be one. If you think about religion in general, where is the place that the divine and and the earthly things meet. It's the temple. And so the claim being made in Genesis chapter 2 is that, the, that humanity is this meeting place between heaven and earth. That humanity is the temple. In the words of the Apostle Paul, don't you know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You can see from the beginning of the story of Scripture, we were always meant to be this place where God would dwell in his creation. We were always supposed to be the temple. We were always supposed to be the one through whom God's divine character and his presence would then fill the earth. When you consider humanity, I want you to consider that this, this is the deepest truth about who humanity was meant to be. We are meant to be the place where God's presence and his character goes with us and fills the earth. But there's something else that's true as well. Where God made us for glory, it would also seem that the dust of the earth doesn't always do what it was made to do. Our world has been infected by sin. And through sin, God's ordered and good creation was plunged into wild chaos. And through sin, death and chaos have entered our world. We see this in the dust of our world. The dust that's meant to nourish plants and, and be a stable place for society to be built upon can, can, uh, can be whipped up in a storm and, and darken the sun. The dust that's meant to be a foundation for our world where everything grows up from it can be liquefied with too much rain. It can bury people alive. Most of you are probably aware of this all too uncomfortable thought about household dust, that 75 to 90% of household dust is dead human skin cells. That means that your house and my house is constantly coated and recoated with a reminder that our world is broken, that death has entered this world. That things are not as they should be. Dust is a reminder to us of our human weakness. Whatever it is, the five billion skin cells that you shed to die every day. Maybe it's five million, I don't know. Either way, it's a reminder of our weakness. A reminder that at times, those of us who are made to bear God's image, we seem far more capable of bearing the image of the wild chaos that has come into this world through the choices that we make, the things that lead to sin and death. Lent is a season where we're encouraged to remember that we are still dust. 
One reason I think Lent isn't a big part of Christian traditions I've been a part of is because we don't like thinking about these kinds of things. I don't want to be reminded that I'm still dust. I don't want to think about it. I would prefer to pretend that the story of humanity is all rainbows and unicorns all the time. Wouldn't it be nice if it were? But there's something that's broken. There's something that needs fixed. There's something that needs to be changed. And I think a season in the Christian calendar that's dedicated to reflecting on our weakness is a good thing. Because repentance is the only way to receive God's response to our brokenness. From dust we've been made to dust we will return. How does God respond to human brokenness? You can turn your Bibles to Psalm 103. We'll start reading in verse 13. Uh, I want to encourage you, if, if you uh, do nothing else in the Word this week, meditate on Psalm 103. We're jumping into the middle of it, but it's a remarkable psalm written by uh, David. Uh, King David from the Old Testament, but uh, there's some really wonderful things in here. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. God's response to the fact that we are dust is to have compassion for us. God knows who we are. God knows who you are. God knows you very, very well. God knows every cell in your body. God knows the most intimate thoughts in your mind. God knows the most subtle sentiments in your heart. God knows the things about you that you have forgotten. God knows the functions of your brain that happen below the surface of your consciousness. And God meets all of that with compassion. God meets our weakness and our brokenness with compassion. And he invites us in our brokenness to be bound up and healed by his grace. The psalmist continues and says, The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. It's thinking about the, the flourishing of a flower, right? Like you have those moments maybe in the springtime when the lawn is just looking wonderful. And you think to yourself, what, an, what a beautiful picture of God's abundance and His grace and everything working right in the world. And all it takes is a few months of summer and then my lawn's totally dead unless I spent, you know, a king's ransom watering it. God says that's what your life is like. And we have seasons like that. We have moments when it feels like, yes, we are flourishing. Things couldn't be better. It feels like we really won this time. But then the wind blows and it's gone. And its place is remembered no more. We may flourish, but it is a fleeting flourishing. Things might look great, but from dust we were created and to dust we're going to return. Thank God he has a different plan for us than that. 
reality. Verse 17, it says, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. And His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. God has compassion on us. He looks down on humanity. He knows who we are. He remembers that we're from dust. He knows that our flourishing is like the flowers in the field, here today and gone tomorrow. But He has a different plan for humanity than to be here today and gone tomorrow. In His compassion, He has something greater than dust to dust. Something everlasting for those who will turn from their wickedness and walk in His covenant. Something everlasting for those who will trust Him and obey Him and walk with Him. The Apostle Paul writes about God's different plan for humanity near the end of 1 Corinthians. In this part of uh, this, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's speaking about our human bodies and he talks about them like seeds. He talks about them like seeds that have been planted in hope that something new is going to spring forth. Paul's talking about the resurrection of the dead or the new life or the idea that this life isn't the end of the story for humanity, but there's something else. This was an idea that was highly criticized, even in the early church, that there's something beyond the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, Paul says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of a body will they come? With what kind of a body will they come? He says, How foolish. What, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. And so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. I skip down to verse 42. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. And it's sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. For if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. From dust we've come, from dust we're going to return. But this return to the dust is a doorway into something that is incomparably better than what we see here today. Paul continues his thoughts on the matter. He says, there was the first man, he's talking about Adam, who was from the dust of the earth. But the good news is there's a second man. He's talking about Christ who was of heaven. And as, as was the earthly man, so are those of us who are from the earth. But as is the heavenly man, so are those who are from heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, just as we as humans share this in common with our father Adam and every one of our brothers, sisters on the planet, as we share that common, we are in our weakness, in our human fallenness, in our human brokenness, in the same way that we share that in common with one another, Jesus has invited us to bear the image of the heavenly man. God is inviting humanity to be transformed. Paul says, so I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. We're not all going to sleep. That's how the New Testament church talked about dying, falling asleep. It says, but we are all going to be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will finally come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Paul is talking about something that we as followers of Jesus are all looking forward to. We have hope in a God who we believe is going to one day set everything right. And part of that setting right involves each of us being transformed entirely, wholly into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The heavenly man. One day the weakness of all of humanity is going to be swallowed up in victory. We believe this is going to happen. We believe there's a day when humanity is no longer going to be defined by our weakness, but defined by God's strength and his faithfulness. We believe this is going to happen one day, and we also believe this is a process that God is inviting his people to participate in right now. That in each one of us, this process of transformation has begun and is going on each and every day. That from the inside out, God's planted, it's like he's planted a seed inside of us that is germinating and through the circumstances of our life and, and in the garden of our life, that seed is sprouting up good kingdom things all the time. As people of faith, we're challenged to lean into this reality that one day we're all going to be changed.